Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Drive time with Elliot, Timothy, and Chen Chen. Only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Cohen, Chua Tian Time now for a regional roundup. We're looking at headlines like Malaysia's Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim sticking to his decision to reinstate the country's GST anytime soon. Uh, that looks like it's not happening. We've also got Indonesia's controversial court ruling to delay the 2024 presidential and general elections until the year 2025. On the line with me is Dr. Felix Tan, political observer, Nanyang Technological University. Dr. Felix, good afternoon. How are you? A very good afternoon to you, Elliot. I'm good. I'm good. Let's talk about GST. While uh, we are enjoying a 1% and waiting for the next 1%, Malaysia's Anwar Ibrahim, the Prime Minister, saying that uh, the country is not ready for the reinstatement of GST anytime soon. This was in response to a question from a Datok Zuka Peri Hanapi. Is this a wise idea, the rationale behind not reinstating the GST anytime soon? What are your thoughts on this? I think if you look at the rhetoric that, uh, you know, Anwar Ibrahim has made, I mean, since many years ago, I think his Pakatan Harapan was actually against the institution of the GST hike mm. uh, to begin with in the first place. So I think at this point in time, it's a really politically astute move if we look at it. Uh, but it's a delay of, you know, at least six to 12 months. That's about a year. But I think there are also other areas that they want to focus on. So I think whether, you know, it's a good idea at this point in time, I think it's a political move so that he has enough time to at least try to fulfill his election promises. And I think also there are, you know, uh, a lot of economic challenges that Malaysia is facing. And I, I do believe that uh, they do have this uh, national debt. And I think it reached up to about 1.5 trillion ringgit. And that's pretty, pretty high. And I think they want to have some time to at least uh, redistribute, uh, refocus uh, where they can place their finances, you know, first and get the house in order first before, you know, uh, coming back to the GST. Oh, that is a difficult one, a very challenging one. There's the issue of uh, Mr. Anwar's 100 days, which we'll get into in just a sec. But mm. talking about GST, I mean, you can't help but compare with other countries in Canada, Singapore, whatever, that have this sort of tax, right? What does this do for Malaysia economically from the outside looking in? I don't know, does it set them behind in some sense? I think they will have, you know, a lot of uh, uh, issues that they will have to deal with at this point in time. But I okay. think it, it, it's remaining status quo for the time being. It's not that they're not going to increase the GST. They're yeah. just delaying the GST. So uh, I think we, we have to understand that, you know, uh, the GST will still be around. Uh, Malaysia is still probably on track to hopefully, you know, grow in the coming months. And, mm. and uh, But there is going to be an economic recession. And the, the biggest question over here to Anwar's uh, government is whether the people, the Malaysians themselves, are able to, you know, handle or receive such GST height at this point in time. And I think during the election campaigning and election processes last year, I think there were a lot of questions arising from that. So I do not think uh, uh, that, that Malaysia is necessarily far behind from, let's say, like uh, countries like Singapore or Canada, but mm. there might be some catching up to do, you know, if we're going to compare with, the, you know, our, our system or even Canada's system where, there is a kind of check and balances involved and they have years of that sort of clarity, that sort of system in place. And they're sort of very well established financial you know, uh, commitments in, in, in terms of these two countries. So I think Malaysia might take a little bit more time in that sense to get their house in order. 
Mm. Let's talk about Mr. Anwar's uh, first 100 days. Um, it must feel for him like he's run a marathon every day of that 100 days, <laughs> trying to outmaneuver his political rivals. What are your thoughts in terms of how he's managed it, considering you know how fragile the coalition government has been? Mm-hmm. I, I think to be fair, we have to give credit to Anwar mm. Ibrahim. He has really done a relatively decent job in his 100 days. Uh, the thing is that if you look at the whole thing as a whole, you know, a couple of months, he has moderated the expectations of his own cabinet as well as that of the coalition government, which he has rather tenuously put together. So I think one thing we look at is that there hasn't been a huge call for his resignation, unlike, you know, in the past uh, administrations. That's one. And although there were some minor controversies, not least involving that of his daughter, I think that matter was resolved rather quickly, eventually. So that's secondly. I think thirdly, there was also the way that he have uh, outmaneuver his political opponents and maintain his power thus far. I think that is quite an achievement. Mm. So I think all in all, if you look at the unity government, it's mm-hmm. still very much intact, which is a very good sign given that Malaysia's a very shaky coalition government in recent years. So I think there will be challenges for him in the coming months, but you know, staying in power is going to be one of just many, many other challenges. Mm. Handful of states also heading to the polls in the coming months. I mean, from an education side of things, what what should I pay attention to here if I enjoy watching or, or reading about Malaysian news? <laughs> I think it's very interesting. You can look at the states that are vying or that are okay. going to go for elections that are heading to the polls soon. I think the states are namely, there are six states altogether. There are Selangor, Negeri, Simbalan, mm. Penang, Kelantan, Trungano and Kedah. So they are going to hold simultaneous elections for the respective state assemblies. I think who are in charge of these states at this point in time? So I think it's an evenly split at this uh, moment. You know, there are three states that are controlled by you know Anwar's team, you know, which is Pakistan yeah. Harapan. Mm. And of course, you've got the other three, which is, uh, I think, Kalantan, Turganu and Kuta, I think I'm not wrong. It's also held by the Parikatan Nasional. So I think uh, we'll look into details in those states that are being controlled by the opposition as well as by Anwar's team because I think there is a rising influence of the Perikata Nacional and they should not be discounted. So there might be some, you know, who might feel that, oh, since Anwar is already in power, he has coalition in, in place, then they, it, it might just embolden certain groups to vote for the PN representatives. Now, that might be detrimental to Anwar's uh, government. I think that's one area to look at, the very generic sense. Okay. I think secondly, we look at the Malay votes, how it's going to swing, you know, it's going to be very important because, and how they view Anwar's coalition government thus far would really mark, you know, either they will support and continue to support for Anwar's Pakatan Harapan coalition, or they might just throw him under the bus completely mm. and then vote for the PN. I think that is a very strong indication of wow. where the votes will be swinging towards. Yeah, you almost get the feeling that we're going to have a panel discussion on this, Dr. Felix. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the fascination with Malaysian politics. Okay, let's move on to Indonesia. We need to. They have got a controversial court ruling to delay the 2024 presidential and general elections until for one year, so until uh, 2025. Is it justifiable? What are you understanding with regard? to the rationale behind this? When I came across this 
Canada was a rather strange development mm. indeed that I've read. And, and it's, I think it's suspicious to say that at least one wonders who's really behind this act. You know, it could be, you know, on one hand, supporters of Jokowi okay. who find that, you know, you know, there are loopholes in the system. We want him to stay in power and therefore let, you know, go the existence and try to, you know, go through the legal means, right? And mm. that could be one way. But there also could be political opponents who are making attempts to ensure that they have some added advantage in electoral processes okay. and that delay might you know, be in, favor, in their favour. So at the end of the day, I think uh, one might want to look further into who raised this issue up for the extension. And I think it's, uh, this, it's, it's by this new political party, the Just and Prosperous People's Party of Prima, and they filed a, a civil lawsuit against, you know, to have the election postponed. So I think that's one. I think uh, how important are they in the upcoming election? I think secondly, also, I think we are looking at, you know, the judges. Apparently, the judges have already been called up and held accountable and are under investigation for alleged ethics violations. Oh so I, I think, you know, while it's being controversial, mm. I think there is an appeal decision right now. And so it's being appealed by the Indonesian Election Commission as well as backed by Jokowi. So I think we have to, you know, see how the process is going to go further before we come to a decision. It's an odd one. I mean, we've had so many discussions about this and I remember how you were mm. walking me through the fact that Jokowi or even the rivals or, or the challenges for the president's seat. It's kind of all been in place very early and people have been mm. prepped for this, yet here we have this delay. <laughs> mm, 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 it is so It's one. rather very suspicious yeah. and it's rather strange. I think we'll have to wait and see what's going yeah. to come out in the coming days. Yeah. Let's talk about this one. So according to the head of Ukraine's defense intelligence, Kirillo Bundanov, if I'm pronouncing that right, Russia is, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but Russia is trying to buy weapons from various Southeast Asian countries, including from Myanmar. Kind of feels like Myanmar's being dragged into this. I mean, they've got problems of their own already. I don't think, you know, necessarily that there's much that they're going to get out from Myanmar at this point in mm. time. I think, you know, more likely that Myanmar would need the Russians more so yep. than the Russian would need Myanmar. So I do not think that, you know, Myanmar has necessarily the bandwidth to help Russia at this point in time. I mean, like what you've rightly put across, there are, uh, you know, insurgencies and other issues within Myanmar itself. So I think that is trying to buy weapons from Myanmar is probably not. But, but that said, I think what's going to happen is that probably, you know, Russia is going to go through Myanmar as a, Myanmar is a conduit, you know, uh. between certain groups, certain rogue states that might be supplying the Russians with certain weapons. So uh, Myanmar could be the transition point, the middleman, you know, between certain groups that might, you know, pass over to, to, to the Russians as well. So I think that is something that is worrying more so than anything, you know, how weapons can be passed around and, and passed to, transported to Russia. But I think secondly, also, I think uh, Russia could use Myanmar as a sort of a storage base to hide its more controversial arms and weaponry. Bear in mind that there was already a deal to supply arms to Myanmar from the Russian side. So I think it's more so the other way than, you know, having Myanmar selling it to Russia. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. I've been speaking with Dr. Felix Tan, political observer for Nanyang Technological University, helping me out with uh, some of these headlines coming out from around the region. Keep it right here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.